Yeah, I've been listening to this podcast called um, Revenue Vitals. It's just like this B2B marketer guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I don't know why I want to say Chris Harrison, but isn't that the To Catch a Predator guy? I think that's Chris Hansen. Oh, Chris Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> but this guy catches revenue streams. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Much better. Much better. Um, but no, it's... um. He's been given some serious game and I, I just been so, I like would go back to podcasts that he's dropped over a year ago and all the stuff yeah. that he's saying is still relevant. I love a podcast. Like, don't get me wrong. I love news podcasts and like latest trends and story. Like I, da- I download podcasts every single day for my commute, but a podcast that you can revisit that's many months old or even years old and the value is still there. Oh man, those are the best ones. Cause it's almost like you have, you know, weeks of homework to do to just catch up. It's like finding a good new artist and you just hear their radio hit and then you search them on Spotify and you find like all their old catalog. And you start hearing like the stuff that their true fans like first got on like way back and it, oh, so yeah, I love when that happens with a podcast too. Yeah, that's how I feel about um, my first million. I've been listening to those guys. I've Fire. been binge watching, so or binge listening and watching when I get the chance. Like I will just listen to them when I'm working out now, and on my like I've literally just probably been spending at least two to three, four hours with them a day. Um, and I feel like I'm actually in the conversation because they're just the way they banter is like it's like it's it reminds me of us. Like we just go back and forth, and we're just kind of just chilling and talking about what, what's on our mind. Um, but yeah, I've been going to their older content and it's been sparking a lot of ideas in me, just thinking about, you know, problem solving, thinking about business from a different perspective and just, you know, I like, I like the way, uh, I think it's Sean, mm-hmm. I like the way he, he, he approaches life. He's very kind of carefree, but he also has the same, like, uh, I, I want to try different things. And that's kind of similar similar personality to me so i like the way he breaks down his perspective of of different things and i like the other guy too uh sam because he's a he's just a, a a junkie in terms of just athleticism <laughs> and so both of those guys are actually just very very funny but i've been really binge watch binge listening to their podcast and i find it really good but i'm deaf i want to give that one a shot so drop that link uh in the in the group chat when you get the chance because i love anything business and practical advice that you can actually just implement. Yeah, for sure. And and those first two guys, um, Sean and uh, what's Buddy's name? Sam. Sam. Yeah. I could see how some people would not like them because they kind of have like, they have, I don't know, it's, they kind of play on the fence of like some things that are really almost, uh, I don't know how you say, like almost like arrogant, some things yeah. that they say, but like, if you're into that, it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like sometimes I can't tell if they're dissing a man or if they're complimenting a man. Right, right. They were, going, they were going in on Tyga on the last episode I listened to because they were talking about the untold business stories of just like how some of the biggest um, success stories that you never heard before, how they happened. And they're talking about the guy who really uh, created the infomercial and how Basically, in sometime in like the late 70s or like the early 80s, they changed the regulations on TV for commercials. And so you were you went from having commercials being restricted to a certain amount of time to having like almost no time limit. 
So they are like, okay, we're going to go buy like a TV spot at some obscure hour of the night where there's not really any shows that are on because it'll be super cheap. And then we're going to put on like a 30 minute commercial. And um, basically these guys got really good at the messaging and catching people's attention and pulling them in and enticing them to want to learn more and, and figure something out. Like, Anyways, they they got really good at it. These are the same folks I think that actually like launched Tony Robbins' career and helped mm-hmm. him become who he is like way back in the 80s when he was Anthony. And um anyways, like they tell this story about these guys how they do this and uh it was just funny because they had all these other companies that were similar to this infomercial people and one of them was like creating products for celebrities and they had something called like Tiger Bites. And they're talking about all the other celebrities that you actually heard of, like, you know, uh, Kendall Jenner and like whatever, Justin Bieber, but they're like Tiger Bites. He's like, if Tiger came into my house right now, I'd be like, hey, sir, wh- what are you doing here? And who are you? <laughs> He's just like, who is Tiger? And how does he deserve bites? Like, how did he like do? Are, are there people who still know who Tiger is now? And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, I know who Tiger is, but then why is Tyga alive? Is he still <laughs> Yo, he just he just recently did a uh, podcast with uh, that. I don't know if you've heard of uh, Bobby. I forget what her last name is, but the like the girl in the bed. Yeah, the girl that's like funny, but like not funny or I don't know. Some people find her funny. Some people some people are like, yo, whatever she's doing is cringe. But she literally has like one of the top podcasts or one of the top growing podcasts within the last like six weeks. And she's interviewed like Drake. Yeah, wasn't uh, Drake like her second or third episode or something just like. I th- so based on I've heard like little scrapes of stories here and here and you try to piece it together. But essentially, like what I've heard is that she has like a famous neighbor or something like that or a neighbor that is connected with famous people. She interviewed like two actors. Uh, they liked her. They liked like they liked the content or whatever. So then she went on TikTok. She offered three hundred dollars to somebody to get to connect her with anybody else that's famous. So she got with um this other comedian who's I think his name is Mark or something like that. And he does like the unfun, like the dry comedy, like, so you think that's funny? And, so. and yeah. So he does one of those, or I think it's unfunny Mark or something. I can't remember what his name is, but he got an interview with that, with that person. And then Drake saw it and Drake was like, yo, I like this type of content or whatever. Let me hop on. And so she, and then, so he hopped onto the, to the podcast and then she did Mark Cuban or she had Mark Cuban loaded up from before. Cause based on how the uh, interview went it looked like Mark Cuban was early on, but she just released it a little bit later, which mm-hmm. is obviously a smart play. But recently she actually deleted her interview with Drake and they like unfollowed each other. It's a little gossip on the, on the, t- the Twitter timelines. Nobody knows exactly why, but the Drake interview had like, it was in like the, like tens of millions, if I'm not, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, when it was up. So it's kind of interesting why she would take that down because that's literally one of probably, if not the biggest second to Mark Cuban. Yeah. So if Drake has the golden touch and he can make anybody famous, does he also have the kiss of death? I, I think she's too far gone at this point. Yeah, she's already solidified. She's her own yeah. entity now. She's done. Um, she did. Was it Uzi or 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 Kodak Black? I can't I, I can't tell these rappers. Uh, these are different stratospheres, my friend. Yeah, I I can't tell the difference between these rappers anymore. But she did another rapper, and Yo, that Kodak interview Black, did well. 
Kodak Black and Lil Uzi Vert, I think, have their own like they're, they're definitely sig- yeah significant followings though, like huge very groups. significant. Yes, very significant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's 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 killing the game. Um, and she's doing really well. So there's definitely a lot of good podcasts out there. Yeah, we should do an episode where we review podcasts, our favorite podcasts, do like a, a deep dive. I'm, I'm down to, you know, give like my top three, what I'm top five, what I'm listening to right now. Yeah. You want to do that right now? Oh, I, when I said it, I, I, I did. I don't know where I put the comma or the, uh, the semicolon <laughs> in that sentence, but it was like, what am I listening to right now? You know how this is like now playing? Yeah. But I mean, shoot, I could do it off the hip, but um, I'd actually have to pull up my Spotify. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll do a next episode because save I know that we, back burner. Yeah, let's let's save that for next episode because I know we have some things that we want to talk about today. Um, you want to start it off, or should I go? Well, you you pick a topic and kick it off, and um, you know, we'll just go from there. We'll just riff. All right, best. Well, lately in my life, I you know just introduced a third kid. And congratulations. Thank you very much. And, you know, a lot of things have been changing. Uh, you know, my wife has a bit, she had a business, she has a business, but she's on pause right now. And, or you could say maternity leave, but it's a little bit different when you're an entrepreneur, you don't have the standard maternity leave. Uh, you got to create your own maternity leave. Mm -hmm. And so with that means that for me personally, I can't take parental leave because we got to keep the the income, uh, high to be able to support, uh, the needs that we have. So I've been thinking a lot about money recently. Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about, um, how to increase my income, how to save more money, how to invest more money, how to pay down debts more aggressively. Um, I want to be a well-oiled machine when it comes to money. And the reason why I say that is because I made a lot of mistakes when I was younger. And now that I'm in my 30s, early, early 30s, like I'm, I'm literally only 31, um, all the information that I have now I wouldn't say that it makes me regretful for the decisions that I made earlier in my money career, but it is, it's a thorn. It's definitely a knife in the side when I think about how different my life could be uh, in my 30s. So I thought maybe we talk about some money mistakes uh, that we might've made or even money lessons that we know now that were like, man, I made this mistake when I was younger, when I didn't know anything about money, this is how I would do it now. How's that sound to you? Yeah, I mean, I like that. I like All that. Right, that's, that's cool. I mean, I think that's also useful because a lot of people really kind of money is like air or it's like water to a fish. Like it's around them and like they know about it and they think about it, but they don't strategize or they don't think deeply about it. So, um, yeah, be good to dive in. Yeah, definitely. And I know like in my culture, being Nigerian background, yo, we don't talk about money. You don't talk about money. You don't talk about if you have it and you don't talk about if you don't have it. You kind of just brush it under the rug. It's not something that we talk about at dinner time. And it's definitely not something that you talk about around the holidays when, you know, it's time to shell up some extra cash. So uh, I want to start off probably very early when I first had my first job, when I first got my first job. Um, that's around age, the legal age to work in Canada, I believe is 16. He's like, let me not misspeak and indict my parents for. <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me, let, let me make sure I'm careful. I'm sure here. you're so, past the statute of limitations on that. Yes, one. definitely. Definitely. So 16, I believe is when you can start working. I think I got my first job around that time, 16, 17. My first job, um, I was 15. 
Okay. So if you're I 15, you then can start working at 15. So, you can, so then I got my first job at 16. I remember like just, uh, it was a year after I was legal to start working. So 16, got my first job at McDonald's, making a little bit of cheddar, uh, getting that student wage. Is that a pun? <laughs> I was making the cheeseburgers. Yo, that was a good one. Still, I didn't even, I didn't even recognize I'm freestyling right now. Making a little bit of cheddar and, um, you know, getting that student wage, which I believe at the time was like, three dollars and 25 cents or five dollars no, it was, not, no, it was yeah, like five something my very first job i was getting paid 615 or like 610 Jeez, i wish was, i was getting that i was student I was that, that was that was student wage in yeah uh when was i 15 in like 2004 Jeez. yeah Jesus, years ago. yeah yeah so I around am, that fam. yeah <laughs> so around that time, making about yeah, around five, six you months. You just had back, a moment. Okay, I did. Going. I was just thinking back. It was like, damn, that was a long time ago. Uh, so yeah, around that time, making about five, six, seven bucks. We'll we'll just round it up to seven, just to make sure that you know we're not doing any complex math here. Um, I wish that I knew about opening up a bank account, which I already had a bank account because obviously I had to get paid direct deposit. Um, but I wish I knew more about like putting money away, like investing money, because at that time I had virtually no bills. Like I paid for my own cell phone bill and, you know, cell phone bill at that time was just buying minutes. Mm -hmm. All I need to do is buy like a little $20 of minutes. And that would have lasted me uh, about a month, I would say. Now, for those of people who don't know what I'm talking about, because now you have data plans and unlimited Canada-wide calling, back in the days when you had a cell phone, a little flip phone thing, you needed to buy a minute. So you would buy a card and it'd have a code on the back. You enter that code in on your phone and it would mm. say, you have 60 minutes. So that means you can make 60 minutes of calls or you could load up a, a total of um, monetary amount so in this case let's say 20 bucks and each text message was 25 cents mm. so just imagine how many text messages you can send on 25 cents when you're texting your girl not that many so but you know what i really wish sometimes that they would bring back that damn charging per text message because you ever get those people who send you seven thoughts but they could have just used some punctuation and like a period you know, maybe Yo, that's uh, me. That's me. I'm sorry. That's me. If, if that pisses you off, Cordy, I am sorry. Cause that's me. I'll be like, Hey bro. As in two different, as in two <laughs> different texts. Hey is a different text. And then bro is a different text. Real talk. And then I'll say my and thought. People like you are the reason why notifications have been off since 2011. <laughs> Yo, for real, for real. We used to buy ringtones. We used to buy ringtones. We don't now. We don't even turn our phones don't on. Even loud. Want, we don't want it on, y'all. You're Sorry, absolutely I, I'm getting, right. I'm getting <laughs> off track. Yo, that has me dying because it's bringing that's back hilarious. memories. That's hilarious. But yeah, that's what minutes were. So that was literally my only bill. So let's say if I worked a good solid weekend, um, overnight, I come home from I come home from work. I come home from school Friday, work, do an overnight, double it up. And then work on the Saturday and then take Sunday off because, you know, I got to go to church. If I do that for two weeks, I was bringing in like about 100 to 150 bucks. And my only, so let's say 300 bucks a month 
And my only expense was like maybe 20 to $40. And then maybe I buy food. I splurge a little bit at the cafeteria on a, on, on a, at the school, maybe max I'm spending 50 bucks. So I could theoretically have about 250 to $200 left at the end of the month. Mm. Now me being a young guy, young man, all I wanted to do was buy video games. I bought my first Xbox, bought my first controller, uh, bought the PSP, bought the Game Boy Advance. Like I've literally bought like every console I could think of or every handheld device I could think of. But now thinking back, I'm like, yo, those experiences were great, but I missed out on a huge opportunity to put away money to compound, which I know a word of compound at that time. But now that I do know that, I'm like, man, I could have put away a ton of money, even just 50% of what I was making. And that compounded over, you know, the last 15, 12, 20, oh my God, compounded over the last 14 years of, of till now, 14, 15 years, that could have been a large lump sum of money, which could have been a good foundation to start my professional career. Um, What are your thoughts on that? Well, there's a number of ways, like one. I agree in the the fact that, you know, you could have compounded that money and you could have a little bit more right now. But I also think that there's a lesson to be learned in losing money and no one makes a lot of money before they lose a little money at least. And so it's not that you lost money, but you, you've come to have an uh, appreciation for how hard it is to earn a dollar and how quickly you can spend a dollar. And I think that's like a, a muscle that has to be developed by practice you like no one can give that to you so having a job and trading your time to get dollars and then spending those dollars and seeing where your time goes is actually a really good experience to have so people who are given money they actually have a harder time developing their awareness of like their spending habits um so i think it's good and obviously there's opportunity there but i think you can you have an opportunity in a different sense with a different milestone that you just crossed. Like you say, you just added a third, third baby to the, to the bunch. I mean, I I think why not start right there and, and, and start trying to compound as this is a new milestone going forward. So matter of fact, you were talking about, um, you know, $250 a month. I don't know if you peep my slides beforehand, but I have this, uh, this slide right here. So, <laughs> so this this right here, what we're looking at is basically um, talking about saving up an emergency fund. And this isn't necessarily to save to invest, but it's the same principle that you can use and apply whether you're trying to invest or if you're trying to save for a vacation or you're saving up to buy Christmas gifts or you're saving up for um, just an emergency fund because when you know eventually you're going to need to fix your car and if it breaks down, you want to have money to take it to the mechanic or... Uh, if something happens around the house and you need to be able to pay for it, you want to have that cash reserve there. Or if you're transitioning between jobs, if your uh, your partner is going to be out of work for a little while, like you want to have that cash reservoir. So like the emergency fund, here's the the practical, okay? You look at everything that you have to buy every month. So that's your food, your shelter, um, the utilities, like keeping the lights on, heating the place up, whatever. Uh, transportation, maybe that's a Presto card if you're taking transit, maybe that's a, um, the Ubers that you're buying to get around if you don't actually have a car, but you need to use that or whatever it is, um, gas, and then like your phone, whatever. 
you boil that down to a number because that's your fixed expenses. If it came down to it and that stuff hit the fan, like you're going to cut Netflix. You know, you're not going to eat out as many times. You're going to cut back on some other places, but these are the non-negotiables. So let's just say like each month, your costs for round numbers is 250. Now, if you see your bank account and you see 250, you know that you could go at least one month without making another dollar while you figure out what, what you're going to do next. And I think having that frame of reference for like how much time you can buy yourself is a great incentive for people to save. And so when you start to save up multiple months or um, you start to put um, a serious amount of time in the bank for yourself, then you kind of have a freedom to make more decisions. Or you can look at things like, you know, in the bank account right now, I have my first year of college. Or you could say, I have a down payment on a house in the bank right now. Or I have, you know, maternity leave. I have six weeks off work. Two weeks, I'm going to get paid vacation. And the next six, I'm going to just be off. Like, you just start looking at time different when you have money. And mm. I think it all comes from the same thing that you're talking about is just learning how to put money away. And when you start put like breaking things down and seeing how much time they cost, then it's twofold. One, you can see how long it's going to take you to get them. Like I want to go to Cabo St. Lucius. It's going to cost us two grand for the flight in the hotel. We'll we'll think about the food afterwards, but flight and hotel is going to be two grand for two tickets round trip. All right. I got 10 months. How can I break that down to see how much time I'm going to have to spend at work, you know, to, to go on that trip. Yeah. And so like you just start setting targets and breaking things down, say something costs a thousand bucks, it's five months, you get paid twice a month, you know, so that's 10 deposits, a thousand divided by 10, it's a hundred bucks. So each time you get paid, you take a hundred bucks and put it away. And then in 10 months, you're, you're going to have that thing. You know what I mean? So just, that's how I kind of look at money based on like that same lesson that you talk about of, you know, spending your money and it going to places and you're like, where the hell did it go? Mm -hmm. uh, I, when I started saving, I started saving and then looking at, you know, how much time, and this is obviously as I started to get more bills, right? You said yeah. you really only bills your, your, your cell phone. So I could save up a year's worth of my cell phone in the bank and then start spending, mm -hmm. you know, I would save up all my bus fare for, the second semester of school, and then I would start spending. And then once you have those layers built in, I mean, you can spend guilt-free because you already paid yourself first. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And like, that's one thing I remember you telling me, you're like, uh, man, I, I love the quotables. So sometimes I'd be forgetting them because there's so many. But I remember one that one you said, measure, measure twice, cut once. I think that's how you say it. Bro, I did not make that up. So, I don't think you made it up, but you gave, you you told it to me, so I'm just giving you okay. credit. For yeah, it. I can't take credit for that one because I said okay. by a thousand people, a thousand maths. But to me, Courtney Stevens said it. So measure twice, cut once. I remember that one. Also, um, you said something about if you like tracking your money, like if you don't track it, you don't know where it goes. Yeah, keep um, score. You got to keep score, or else you're going to lose the money game. Exactly. So I started budgeting uh, during the pandemic. And so I've had a spreadsheet that keeps track of all of my uh, expenses over the last three years. And that's mm. been absolutely crucial for me to know exactly how much I'm spending when I'm going over budget. In fact, I kind of moved away from 
uh, setting a hard budget. If it's a fixed expense, I already know that's exactly what it's going to be. But I've actually started going to more of a variable budget and having like categories and just saying, okay, in this category of spending for, let's say, lifestyle or like, which would be like, be like food or groceries, uh, any type of like, you know, deodorant. Uh, soap, whatever, that's like lifestyle type stuff that I need to make sure I'm living a healthy lifestyle. I'll put that into a category. So now I can keep track of like, which categories are eating up the most amount of my money. So I feel like budgeting has been super huge for me in the last few years to just keep track of everything. I know what my debts are. I know what, what my savings are. I know what my investments are. And that allows me it gives me a little bit of peace of mind, a little bit, a little bit kind of like, I, I remember there was a time I was looking at it every single day, but now I've mm -hmm. kind of scaled back to like looking at it like once a month or once a week, if I feel like I got to just update things to kind of just know where I'm at for the month uh, to kind of get my, give myself like a runway for the next month. But it's been very, very helpful. And I think having a budget tracker, I use Google Sheets has been instrumental for me to keep an eyeball on where I'm at. So now I know, oh yeah, last month we went crazy on the Uber Eats. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, this month we got to cut back uh, on this because we need to allocate this money for other things. Let's say we want to sign somebody up for gymnastics or, you know, uh, we want to do uh, a vacation, a quick vacation, or we want to go take the kids out to an excursion or something like that. Now I know, okay, I got to allocate from here to this based on last month, based on the last three months and looking at like trends of my spending. Mm -hmm. Yo, have you ever heard of Mint? Do you ever try Mint? I've used Mint and I absolutely hate it. Really? Uh, and the reason why I hate it is because I have to go in and start setting the categories and every month it like disconnects me from my bank account. I got to go. So it just was so irritating to go in and have to reconnect the categories and connect everything back. I was like, I'm just going to do this myself in my own spreadsheet. Oh, man, that's tough because I've been using Mint for like five years and it just gives me so much aggregated data. And like once you shop at a store, you can categorize that store underneath a certain, you know, um, maybe go to Shoppers Drug Mart mm -hmm. and and he'll say, like, what is this? Is this a convenience store? Is this a pharmacy? Like, is this a grocery store? And once you put it under that category, it should keep giving you that category for the, the rest of the time. But yeah. it, it allows me to see, like, where I'm spending. And I think a budget is budget is not what people typically describe it as. Like, a budget, I think, what traditionally people describe it as, like, these are the bounds that you have to stay within. Um, but to me, I'm more look at it as, like, okay, first, let's just see where you're at. So spend as you have been spending. Um, you connect your your debit card or like your regular bank account, your checking account, savings account, and you connect your credit card and you can connect your investing accounts. So you can track your net worth and your spending and your cash flow. So <clears throat> cash flow meaning in and out. And so you can see how is your the trend of maybe the debt that you're carrying? What is the trend of your total net worth uh, what is the trend of your spending in certain categories month over month and then look to see all right based on my lifestyle i spend x amount of dollars on like these fixed things every month yeah. and i and a lot of things in there are small so i wasn't considering them like maybe i paid for a you know i went on the the tollway i went on the 407 
for a quick little drive, but I, I didn't really think nothing of it because it was it was fast and it automatically pays off my credit card. So I don't have to physically do it. So I don't think about it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe like I just stop for like a coffee once or twice a week. And then I grab lunch once or twice. And then like sometimes I'll order something small off Amazon. But then like you show a pattern of behavior, you're going to see like, okay, I'm actually spending X amount on clothes pretty much every month, spending X amount on gadgets pretty much every month. So then the budget isn't necessarily about like rules. It's just a score sheet for you to see like, this is how you've been spending. And if you want to carve out more space, Mm -hmm. this is where it has to come from based on the numbers It's math. It allows you to forecast and it allows you to adjust. But here's the good thing. If you pay everything that is required of you, like that savings, we're talking about investing for the future. If you pay all your fixed expenses, set away the amount of money you want to save for the future, then after that, you can literally spend guilt-free because all of the chores and the important stuff has been done already. Like, yeah. instead of trying to see what's left over to pay yourself, the budget just gives you the freedom. It's like taking track of your calendar. You ever try to book a meeting with somebody who doesn't keep a calendar? Like, <laughs> they always keep pushing it or they'll say, like, I'll get back to you. If you try to book a meeting with me, I can tell you right now if I'm available because yeah. my entire life is in there. So it's the same thing. Like, you don't know if you have the money because you don't know where all your money is going. You got to give every dollar a job. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> all right, you got anything? Um, I won't even say necessarily. Um, I, I think really maybe, maybe it could be considered a, um, a lesson or a mistake, but like trying to find ways to like make money faster and then not just sticking to proven ways that you can get money guaranteed slower, you know, and just yeah. listening to advice of other people are just like, yo, yo, this stock right here, this is going to boom. Like you should get this and just buying it because somebody <laughs> said that when in reality, I'm doing really well with the things that I've taken the time and learned and studied and like got to understand and I have a good sense for. But yeah. like deviating off of that plan to do something that somebody told me about, like what what the hell do they know that they're just going to give you the golden ticket? Like I ain't never met Willy Wonka. And quite honestly, I don't want to because the same person who tells you when to buy has to also be there to tell you when to sell and they're never around. And so I think trying to jump on waves where you can like come up quickly has been one of the main things that I would say is like a financial mistake. Um, But like I said earlier on, like no one's made a lot of money without losing a little bit first. So I'm glad that I actually have those experiences because that gives you the discipline to like stick to what you know. And, and, And if you can't stick to what you know, then you'll, you'll, you're, you'll fall victim to other people's ideas. And that's a tough place to be because you're not in control when you're letting somebody else kind of influence everything that you do with your own money. Yeah, that's funny because today I got a DM from this guy. I liked and I liked his um his tweet because he had like, a, he was talking about, yeah, he, he was talking about um, personal finance and you know budgeting and all that i've seen his dashboard i'm like yo that's a sick dashboard like i would love to implement that um into my excel my my google sheets for my personal finances i made the mistake he followed me 
So I followed him back. And he DM'd me. I'm gonna read the DMC real quick. <laughs> so How's your like, trade? How's your trade going? Oh my gosh, this guy already knows. So he's just like, quick, I'll just go through this quickly. He's like, he's like, blessings, peace, and abundance. And I'm just like, hey, Kenny, what's up? I'm like, awesome post. I was wondering if you created that dashboard yourself. He's like, he's like, good fam. How are you doing? I'm like, I'm doing well. And then the pitch, the pitch starts. He's like, yes, I do. I got some better recommend. I got some better commendations for you. He didn't even say recommendation, commendations for you. I know you will benefit from it. We benefit from it weekly. I'll be the one coaching you through all the trading strategies. Yo, I first said, of all, first of all, this man does not speak English. No. <laughs> then he, I said, not really into trading at the moment, but that personal finance uh, dashboard caught my eye for sure. He ignores that and goes, what I basically do is trade options effectively for my students slash clients. And once you've created an account on the company website, which is fully regulated and then funded, I now take up the task of professionally trading management. And with my industry leading trading signals and winning tactics, here's the kicker. We are sure to make up to 70% profits every week. Example. Uh, keep it up Bro, with the math right here. No, done this. Done this. <laughs> hold on, hold on, you know hold on. This... No, 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 hold on. I got to give you this one because this is the one that got me. <laughs> keep in mind, this guy just said, we are sure to make up to 70% profits every week. Example. Yeah. If you fund your account with $1,000, can earn up to $12,600 weekly. So huh? I replied, <laughs> I replied, $12,600 weekly from $1,000 funding is way more than 70% growth. You should be trading for Warren Buffett with those type of returns. <laughs> Damn. Yo, I'll tell you exactly what this is. This is a scam to get people to pay money and they're going to disappear because they don't even speak English. How are they supposed to catch 100%. them? 100%. Bro, the guy tried to tell me I have to fund it with Bitcoin from my wallet. Yo, okay. And he's going to take temper. Anyway, so I blocked this is, him. This is the I thing. This him. is the thing, though. This is the thing. That person is a blatant liar. But the thing is, the people who you know and love who get a tip also be the ones who give you the bad advice but it's not because of malice don't this is a this is another quotable for you um don't credit to malice what can be credited to ignorance and i think some people who have a lot of great things to say in like a certain area of life they don't necessarily have that same level of quality of the things to say in every aspect of life. Mm -hmm. And so you got to, you know, take those things with a grain of salt and just understand that, like, if you, if you yourself don't come to a conclusion by yourself, mm -hmm. then it's a conclusion that someone else gave you. And therefore, you will not be able to reverse engineer the logic to get you out of that situation with the tide changes. And when it comes to investing your hard earned money, like we already said, you're trading your time for this money. How do you want to spend your time? Um, I want to put my time into things that I'm confident in, including, yeah. including like the things that I spend it on leisurely, um, not just random stuff because it's too tough out here to just get money, bro. Even then you have a great system set up. It's, it took you too long to set it up. It too, took you too long to get the good job. It took you too long to get to a place where you can spend to just waste it. So, um, yeah. yeah, man, I'm, I'm done taking advice from people on where I should invest my money that I think that was something I learned.
at a younger age. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it's more, it's better to learn the fundamentals and have conviction in what you're doing. Uh, Cause it's, it's easier to swallow the pill that way, in my opinion. Um, I'm going to jump on one more before we move to, to something else that I want to talk about. Um, or unless you have anything to, that you want to jump on to, but um, one thing that I wish I knew uh, when I first started working, especially when I first started getting salary positions was negotiating every contract. I did not know that every contract was negotiable. And even when I did know that contracts were negotiable, I wasn't fully aware on a, how to, how to negotiate properly. And then B how to, how to take control of the negotiation so that you're not setting up a ceiling or a cap on what you're able to earn. And I think that I left a lot of money on the table earlier on in my career um, on negotiations when it, came, when it comes to salary, when it comes to even benefits that comes with the salary uh, and all the other perks that you can get. Yeah, I've, I've been involved in some contract negotiations, but I've always had an agent in the middle to to deal with i don't say always but like just as a pro player and the reason you have the agent is because you want to maintain the relationship between you and the other entity and the agent is the one who's able to get sticky you know what i mean mm-hmm. but then you could still show up to work every day after making a, a, a demand for something or kind of ask for concessions but you know you always just got to have leverage in a negotiation and understand what your leverage is and when you get delusional about what your leverage is that's kind of when things fall off the rail yeah you have, you have uh, for your latest job did your agent negotiate that for you or did you have to negotiate yourself no my agent hasn't negotiated for me since i played so my in my last job really you know you have two offers mm-hmm. i had offer a and offer b and you really just show both both places and you're just like yo this is what a A is offering me and this is what b is offering me um you know obviously it's not just about a dollar sign there's a lot there's a lot more that goes into a job lifestyle flexibility you know total comp um benefits like all that kind of stuff so you just say like yo here's what i'm working with i really want to be here um can we can we can we meet halfway yeah. And you see what they're willing to do because you got to, you got to negotiate in good faith. I think that's, that's the thing that I know about negotiating. You can't, you can't become a terrorist. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. So one thing, so my last, I think my last job, the one that I currently have was probably my best negotiation ever. Um, I knew going in what, what I wanted, I didn't get close to what I wanted, but I was able to negotiate other things, which I've never done in the past before. So um, the base, they, they, he told me what the base was. It was lower than what I was, than what I wanted. So what I had to do was I, I had to kind of work around to get to closer to what I wanted to do. So, uh, there was a couple of programs that they had in place, uh, that were going to start one year after, um, you, you hire your hire. So you have to be employed for one year with the company for them to give you stock options, or in this case, they're called deferred share, uh, profit sharing, mm-hmm. and also to give you access to a RSP match. Uh, so for, for you guys in uh, America, that's like a 401k match here in Canada. It's called RSSP, RRSP, retire, ret- eh? you, ret- what's the stand for again? 
registered, registered retirement yeah. savings plan and awesome. actually um an rrsp is something that you have like personally generally or you can have like a plan sponsored rrsp which would be through your work there's also like registered pension plans mm -hmm. similar effect it's like a tax deferred vehicle but those are often done by like um you know, insurance companies or whatever, like through your work. But anyways, yeah. go ahead. 401k. We might have to do one one of those episodes later on too. But essentially there was a match. So that uh, program started one year later in order to help bring the so One year up. is a long ass time. It is a very long time. It, it is should be three time. months. Like tops. It definitely should be three months, but they put it at one year probably because there's high turnover. It's a very old school business. So there's there's probably a lot of turnover. <clears throat> So they made a one year. So I was able to negotiate that and get that to start immediately. So that brought my in my overall income up. Um, instead of the, the traditional two weeks, I was able to get a three week. Um, should I be saying this? Actually, I didn't sign anything that said I shouldn't be saying this. So instead of getting two weeks, I was able to <laughs> you get. You know, we only got weeks. one subscriber. I know, <laughs> nah, we got more than that. I'm we mom. got more than that. But yes, hi, mom. Um, but yeah, so then instead of two weeks, three weeks vacation. Um, so that kind of, in, instead of getting more on the income side, I got more on the time saved side, if you, if you want to put it like that, by getting a three week vacation instead of a two week vacation. So more time I'm getting paid, but more time with my family, more flexibilities as you, as you could put it. So I felt like that kind of bridged the gap between where I wanted to be and what they're willing to offer. And it gave me a little bit more and so, like, I say all this to say that when you're in your negotiations, uh, don't just look at the total comp. Don't just look at the number value. There are other ways to make the offer sweeter. There are other ways to make the, the job more lucrative for you by looking at the benefits package, by looking at your vacation time, by looking at some things that are, quote unquote, oh, you have to wait three months or oh, you have to wait one year for that. See if you can get it sooner. Um, those are some ways. And then some tactics that work for me is they already are giving you the offer so they really want you so just like restate why they want you like the things that are your strengths so that's what i did i was like yo remember like you wanted xyz i bring xyz and on top of that this is all the other things that i'm able to do and based on industry standards this is how much that costs and based on my experience this is where i feel i should be and another thing that i that i that I find really helpful is always give a range when they ask you like, you know, what salary do you want? Give a range or just say it all depends on the role and the fit between my skills and the role. And then I'll be able to give you um, a salary range or a salary when they say, how much do you want to make? I think those things kind of keep it open so that you don't cap yourself. Cause the worst thing you could do is the, per you, the person says, Hey, how much do you want to make? And you're like, Oh, well, I'm making like, you know, Forty thousand dollars right now. I want forty five, and then in They're their like, head, sold. I was going to give you seventy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's the one thing you do not want because uh, every business is going to try and save money, and if they can save money on their most expensive um, expense, that's on the expense sheet, which is labor cost. Uh, they're definitely a hundred percent going to do that by uh, taking advantage of you. So make sure you negotiate for your salaries and trying to get more on top of what they're offering you. I feel like every contract is negotiable, especially when it uh, it comes to salary. I feel like most recruiters are expecting you to negotiate. And if you don't, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot.
Yeah, it's all about the total rewards, man. Like you're saying, there's things like there's amenities that you could get. There's uh, accommodations you could get that come into the whole package, right? Yeah. Um, And another thing, too, here's like a gem for you. And this is for anybody who has um, like a skill and they get on stages and they speak. This is something It's kind of like a little trick that I learned as I got, you know, I started doing a lot more speaking. Like I've spoke for probably like 10 years or so. And early on, you just got to get reps. You take whatever you can get. You go to a football practice and you talk after practice is done. You go to like your old high school and you go in your old teacher's class and you talk. Um, you do whatever you can do, right? And then you get to a point where people are calling you up to come and talk at events. And then now you're having, you know, more demand than time available. So you have to start making choices about which opportunities you're going to take and which ones you're not. And so one way that you can go from that stage of early on, you know, squeezing out a couple of hundred bucks here or there, and then really starting to be able to command your price for the value that you're providing is in, in the conversation, when you're talking to somebody about uh, the speaking, the simple line, you just say like this. What is the budget for this event? You don't say nothing else. Just say that after, you know, having your whole conversation, you talk about what you want to do. You understand the deliverable, the audience, the timing, the setting, all those kinds of things. Cool. Okay. Glad we talked about it. I definitely could do crowds that size. That's no problem. I could definitely work within those times. AV, no AV, whatever. Uh, we could do all that seated, standing, whatever the set is, cool, all that, that these time frames seem like they work cool. Now, while we're tying this up, like, what is the budget for this event? And at that point right there, the person has to tell you what, what their range is. And if it's not something that you're comfortable with, the ball is in their court to tell you, because a lot of times you'll want to work with somebody just because you really do think it's a great opportunity and you like them. And so you'd be willing to whatever is work within their budget. But if it's not something that you're like dying to do, then that's the perfect opportunity for you to say, oh, for this one, it's actually going to cost you 5000 10000 you know? So when you're coming talking about $500, we are going we are going to have to uh, get that number up a little bit for this to be something I'm able to do. I've got a, a lot of other things on the go right now, but um, I might be able to make this happen for, for somewhere in that $5,000 range given what you're asking. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, then it just kind of sets expectations and anchors people to where, where you feel your value is. And yeah. if they can't, if they can't get there and you want to work with them, you, you, you work with them. But if they can't get there and you are not super excited about doing it, then you don't have to do it. And that's how you, um, you set your value by asking people, like, what's the budget for this? And they're going to tell you, some people might come out and just like you're saying, like, Blow your socks off to be like, yeah, we're this is a twenty thousand dollar speaking appearance. You'd be like, you gotta hold, you gotta hold your water there. Yeah, but yo, you gotta always be, you always you do, but you always have to be thinking that you're 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 a six figure person, like, yeah. and you you're just not compensated the way that you will be yet. Mm -hmm. So when that does when that check does show up, you gotta stand in there confidently and be like, 
I cannot wait to serve. Thank you for the opportunity. That's huge. That's huge. Yo, how do you determine your value? Maybe you're at the beginning stage of your career, whether in business or as a professional. How do you put a monetary number on what you feel your not not your value as a person, but your um product? Your, yeah, your product. You sell one. And if somebody buys it, you raise a price. And if someone buys it again, you just raise the price again. And if somebody is buying it, and if there's a lot of the, you just keep raising the price. And then if you get to a point where people are saying that's too expensive, you have a choice. You either find a way to get better at what you do, or you package it up in a way where the value is more apparent to the people who you're selling to. Or another choice is maybe you're, you've outgrown the audience that you're currently dealing with. And it's time for you to deal with a different audience. But in, the only way to determine what the market will bear is to sell your product. It, you could do all the, the estimations you want in the world. There's people who sell online video courses that are no higher quality than this podcast right here, face to camera. Maybe they have a slide deck they made on Canva. Maybe they do not. I've paid personally, I've paid like $400 for a course that was a guy sitting in front of a camera like this, talking to me, 10 videos, 10 videos of a guy just talking to me like this. I pay $400 happily. And there's people who pay significantly more. Yeah. 5,000, 10,000, $15,000 to be a part of communities online and to go to weekend seminars or to join mastermind groups that meet quarterly, they're paying significant amounts of money because you're not paying for the videos. You're paying for the transformation and your ability to illuminate the transformation is your ability to command a higher price. Okay. Well, yeah, that's it for me. That's that I, we could go on all night. I could we could bring up more topics, but I feel like we covered the money part a lot, like very, very well. I don't know if you want to end it there or if you got something else on your mind. Man, I could talk money all day, but I think I'll I'll spare the folks and and we can save some of that ammunition for the next episode. Awesome. You have any last quotables for us before we jump? I, I don't know, man. Really, it's 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 funny, money. Um money is a funny thing I, I think is we make it complicated and like the world makes it complicated and they talk about it in like scary terms like of crises like banking crisis housing crisis like all these kind of emotions around money um but when you boil it down it's very basic math addition subtraction multiplication division how much are you spending how much are you making Make sure that you spend less than you make. Think about the future. Put some Skrill away for another day. And just don't take your eye off the ball. If you keep score, you have the best chance of winning the game. That's it. All right, man. Well, we'll see you guys on the next one. Appreciate you guys. Peace.